This is Evermore Poe, the turbulent youth of Edgar Allan Poe. Chapter 44 Winter darkness swallowed the passing landscape, making it impossible to tell how close they were to Petersburg. Eddie drowned out the other passengers talking to rehearse what he'd say when he finally found Juliet. I have to find her, he prayed out loud, but it would be too late when he arrived, which would make the task that much harder. Francis had suggested Eddie stay with her brother, but first he would try to locate anyone with the American Colonization Society. They might know where Juliet was staying. As the coach drove on, Eddie realized how much Juliet meant to him over the years. She had been his first real friend, first supporter of his dreams, and very first crush. If only he had confessed the latter, maybe things would be a little different, but Eddie hadn't. And now it was too late. Juliet was leaving. Regret aided him for the remainder of the ride. The coach came to a stop on Bank Street in Petersburg. Eddie filed out behind the other passengers and approached a well-dressed man smoking a pipe. "'Excuse me, sir. You wouldn't happen to know where the passengers for the Cyrus Company are staying tonight, would you?' "'No,' he snapped. "'He might not, but I do,' came a voice from behind. Eddie turned around to a white-haired man dressed like a Quaker. "'May I help you, young man?' "'Uh, yes, sir. My name is Eddie, er, Edgar Allan Poe.' I have a dear friend who is set to board that ship tomorrow, and I must say goodbye to her in person. Please. The white-haired man looked Eddie up and down in judgment. The first African Baptist church arrived in Petersburg, and they're down by the water in City Point now. But I'm afraid I cannot divulge any more information for the safety of all involved. You see, young man, a number of slave owners have been frequenting the docks looking for runaways— if anyone has documents for a man or a woman, or if their own papers have been falsified, we have no legal standing and must allow the other to take them. Harboring slaves or servants can jeopardize our entire mission, I'm afraid. And so I'm very sorry, young man. All I can suggest is to be at the docks in the early morning. If your friend wants to see you, she is welcome to do so. I'm afraid that is the best I can do for you. Eddie was disappointed. He looked at his watch, nearly 10 p.m., far too late to knock on his uncle's door, not to mention the many unwanted questions he'd be made to answer. So instead, he wandered around the streets of the port city until they became deserted for the night and quietly slipped into a livery where a bed of hay and a borrowed woolen horse blanket would do just fine. As the morning streets came alive, Eddie slipped out of the livery, unseen. He boarded another stagecoach, this time bound for the docks, and arrived just as the first golden ribbons of morning appeared on the horizon. The ship Cyrus Company loomed large. The docks were busy. Rope-hung cargo was being hoisted aboard. A steady stream of sailors walked up and down the gangplank like ants to their colony. Watching them work were men and women, white and of color, dressed in their finest and marveling at the hopeful trip ahead. A sense of excitement filled the air. Eddie searched the crowd for Juliet. Nothing. He approached an official-looking man holding a manifest. Name? The man asked, never bothering to look up from his work. Juliet Ellis, Eddie said, to which the man shot him a caustic look. He clarified, oh, that's funny. I'm looking for a passenger called Julia Ellis. Pretty girl, young, long, dark, wavy hair, caramel complexion. 
I have 125 passengers, and all have proof of their liberation, said the man in an irritated tone. He had clearly been badgered already today. Uh, no, um, I understand that, Eddie replied. I just wanted to say goodbye to my friend. Ah, well, be that as it may, I cannot let you on board unless your name appears on the passenger list. Step aside, please. Next! Eddie stepped back from the byway as the man checked off other names. He looked at the big ship, scouring the decks for any sign of Juliet. He almost gave up, and then he spotted her. For a moment, he watched her on the bow and fell in love with her a little bit more, if that was possible. Juliet! He cried out. Juliet! He shouted again, this time waving his arms. Startled by the sound of her name, Juliet began to look through the masses standing along the docks below. She finally spotted him and smiled broadly. Then, in an instant, she disappeared again. Eddie could only imagine her making her way against the crowd through the corridors of the ship. She appeared once more, this time at the top of the gangway, and worked her way against those coming on board. I can't believe you came, she exclaimed, finally reaching him. I had to, Eddie said, staring deeply at her, wanting to confess how much he loved her, that he couldn't live without her, that his life would not be the same in her absence. In that very moment, Eddie hated himself for holding back his feelings all these years. Oh, he said, breaking the awkwardness of the moment. This is for you. Ma wanted you to have it. Your ma has already done so much for me, Juliet said in the din of passengers and crewmen still filing past. Juliet reached out to retrieve the gift in Eddie's hand, but instead of letting her grab it, he grabbed her and led her towards a series of outbuildings that lined to the waterfront. Here, away from the mass of people, his cool veneer crumbled. You don't have to go, Juliet. We can still be together. I don't know how I can handle this place anything without you, he begged. Juliet looked at him with all the sweetness she could muster. But you've never needed me, Eddie. She reached out and cupped his cheek. Don't you see? Through all your stories, you inspired me. You're always saying go forth and conquer. Well, I've been thinking about it. Folks don't often go out and conquer. They're just going forth. And the way I see it, if you don't go forth and conquer, then you're just another damn fool wandering around this world. Eddie managed to laugh through the knot in his throat. You got it in you to achieve your dream, Eddie. You never needed me to tell you that. Don't you give up now. You go be the best rider you can be, no matter the cost. For the last time, Juliet gave Eddie the strength he had so come to rely on. To stop her now would be to become the very people he despised. Eddie knew she had to go, even if it meant one more personal loss. And yet, there was one final thing left for him to do. Summoning all his courage, Eddie asked her, Juliet, may I kiss you? She seemed taken aback. But finally, she answered, Of course. Eddie grabbed her by the waist and leaned in, and soon she melted into him too. Goodbye, Eddie, she said, and then she was gone. Fighting back tears, Edgar watched Juliet's petite figure glide through the throngs of people along the dock. He kept his gray eyes trained on her for as long as he could, following her up the gangplank, over the deck, and inside the ship until she was gone forever. 
Evermore Poe is the historical account of a teenaged Edgar Allan Poe. If you'd like to learn more about Eddie's devolution to become the master of the macabre, please don't forget to follow and share this podcast. Evermore Poe was researched, written, produced, and edited by yours truly, journalist Chris Kosach. I began my research more than a decade ago using vetted journalistic methods with corroborated fact-checking from respected sources including the Library of Congress, periodicals obtained from multiple Poe museums, notable scholars, and the National Archives, among other collections, strung together in a narrative style. In other words, my story is mostly true. Our music today is from Esther Abrami. It should be noted that some of the characters in Evermore Poe are composites of real people, including servants and slaves who lived in the Allen home at the time of our story. Please note, while Evermore Poe is based on fact, it should not be confused with the historic record. For that, I hope you will go down your own rabbit hole to research one of the most thrilling American authors of all time. Our story continues again next time on Evermore Poe. Until then, I'm Chris Kosach. Thank you for listening.